Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tong. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation and I'm your host, Peter Tong. Thank you for joining us today. The intention in these episodes is to give you insights into how the planet is shifting in frequency and vibration to a new level of awareness and how you can be part of this grand awakening. And I'm absolutely delighted to welcome to the show today Betts Danko, who's doing some wonderful work with the Indigo children and also some, uh, some of the older generation, uh, those people who have uh, been affected by the uh, controls placed upon them by their spiritual religious backgrounds. So, Bets, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Well, I'd love you to begin by uh, actually telling our listeners about your own life experience from uh, from early childhood, as you are, in fact, uh, an indigo yourself. Mm. Yeah, I'm one of the first indigos. <laughs> so I have uh, quite a bit of experience by this point. Um, I I had pretty a pretty average um childhood actually i i was born into regular middle class family i i came from two parents who had been brought up in religious circles but decided since it was uh the late 60s that you know we want to raise our children without putting any religious boundaries around them that let them find their own way so i didn't really have a lot of exposure to church organized religion of any sort i just was who i was and at the time uh, up until I was about nine years old, I had no idea that I was different from anybody else. I um, I could see things. I understood things that other people couldn't see and couldn't understand. I could smell and see um, uh, uh, energies in the rooms around me, in the um, lands around me that other people couldn't see. Um, but honestly, I had no idea that they couldn't see. It was so, somewhere. So how, old, how old were you when you first realized that you, I guess it's really, I know you said nine, but you'd been seeing and, and knowing things beyond the norm since you remembered then. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and I, I think it was probably by the time I was four, five, six, somewhere in there is when I started realizing, well, it's not real cool to talk about these things. You know, some people get upset or uncomfortable, but I really didn't know that it was because they didn't see those things. Um, so how did you? How, how did that realization come about when you were nine? How did that happen? Uh, it was, I think, it, it was mainly because there were children around me who were uh, going to church and having um, experiences with religion, and their parents and the way that the children reacted to me let me know that it wasn't okay. And in fact, the word evil did show up several times in my early childhood and up until the time I was nine or ten, and. Um, I didn't understand what it was about. I didn't understand why there was some label evil being applied to me or some of the things I was saying, but uh, I definitely recognized that it was there. And so I did hold back a lot. There, there were things that I knew that I just knew I shouldn't say, so I didn't. Um, and I think it's, it's real important to note, and many people may not understand why it's important, but we didn't have a television for a really long time. And we also didn't go to the movies. Um, you know, my family was pretty isolated, and 
I didn't hear a lot of terms like psychic or intuitive or any kind of thing. Yeah, I was born in the late 60s, and yeah, there's probably a lot of craziness going around me. But in that middle-class family that I was in, that vocabulary really didn't show up. So this wasn't some gift that I applied to myself because I had heard the terms and thought, hey, I want to be one of those. I had no idea that this was different. I had no idea. So can you try and, uh, looking back on the situation now, can you try and um, explain to us what you were seeing, what you were aware of? Um, And obviously at the time you were just seeing it, but now looking back at at it um, and recognizing that some people are not seeing, can you explain what that was like for you? Um, It it was every day for me. It, uh, It was kind of a normal, everyday thing. So to me it didn't feel different. I would see or sense energies around me. Um, I always felt like someone was with me all the time. And now I know that it was a, a prominent guide for me. But at the time, I just knew, well, that guy's always here. Didn't know who he was or why, but he just was always there. And there were times when I would sense energies around me, turn to look and not see anything. Um, other times when I would see things and not be aware that I was about to see them, most of the time, what I would see would have to do with emotion or physical disturbance. So it could be someone who was in the process of dying, or it could be um, someone who was having an extreme emotional situation in their lives. Um, it, it was always something on those two levels. So like, it, it wasn't like I would just walk down the street and see ghosts walking around. <laughs> it, it would always have something to do with something that I could possibly help with. So, so did you, in fact, have a sense that certain people were going to die as a result of that experience? Um, I, I get well. I never, I never feared death or dying, and and so, and I think it's because of all of this. And so, when I would see that someone was passing, um, a lot of times it wasn't, it wasn't meant for me to interrupt that process, but more to acknowledge it. And a lot of times it wasn't somebody that I knew. It was just someone on their, in their passing needed to have me there to, to acknowledge the fact that they were going, almost to be the last one to say goodbye and we'll see you again soon. You know, okay. it, it was um, right now when I still have these episodes, um, it's very comforting. It's very loving. It's a blessing. It's an honor to be the last person to say, okay, you did your job, and you were fabulous, and I love you, and thank you, and we will see you again soon. Yeah, absolutely. So, so when you were nine, then you, say, you said that, that as a result of other people's reactions to you, you started to pull back somewhat. What was yeah. that like? Um, it's a little different, you know, because before then, I, I, you know, if somebody called on the phone and I knew that they would call, I'd go, oh, I knew that they would call. You know, it was just... You know, so I would just say whatever I was seeing or felt, and it, it wasn't a big deal. Um, but at that point, I realized, okay, I need to kind of keep my mouth shut. I don't want these reactions from people. I don't want people to give me a dirty look or roll their eyes or tell me to knock it off, um, you know, the things that kids say or the disagreeing looks that come from adults. I just I recognized that I needed to not express those things openly. I needed to hold back so that they could be comfortable. And so did, did the, uh, the ability, the gift, go away then when you did pull back? No, not at that point, no. It took a while. 
I had a lot more <laughs> growing to do in that. <laughs> because the reason I'm asking all these questions is because I know there are many people today who went through the same or similar experience to you who are who are what I would call Indigo Scouts, who are you know the older generation, but they're mm-hmm. also kids in school today going through this experience uh, in their schools uh, exactly the same at age eight nine seems to be the time when other kids start uh, judging and responding to this awareness that they don't have absolutely yeah yeah and you know um it's it was also a time for me that uh, i needed to be growing you know and that it started around nine ten years old where i needed to be growing and embracing the gifts that i had and really learn to understand the language, it's um, the way I understand it. Um, most people have a totally different language with which their guides speak to them. You know, you may see a white rose and you interpret that one way and I see a white rose and interpret it a total different way. And, and, the, and it could be your guides showing you that rose and I might think, oh, well, this is a time for friendship. This is a time to embrace this person, you know. And you might see it as, oh, well, the last time I saw that, you know, so-and-so was going to be passing. Um, and so at that period of my life, I needed to learn the language so that I could communicate back. Up to that point, I was just kind of living in the love of it. You know, I felt surrounded and loved and protected in, in all of the things that I was experiencing to the point that, I, like I said, I didn't know that I was different. And at that point, I needed to turn that around and go, okay, I'm going to learn this language and I'm going to start communicating right back so that it's an interactive thing. And, and I started down that road. I, you know, I, I did start down that road. And it, it's funny, you know, I was thinking about this this morning in anticipation for talking to you. And uh, I realized that, you know, it was like in the 70s, I don't recall what year that Star Wars came out. And I was in uh, my first year of junior high when I had a dream about stormtroopers coming to my school. And it was such a real-feeling dream that I was terrified because that was the first, I think, I think maybe it was the second or the third movie I had ever seen. And um, I was terrified that I was going to go to school and see these stormtroopers there because every other time I'd had a real vivid dream, that's what would happen. You know, it would come true. And, of course, I went to school and there were no stormtroopers and everything was fine. But this was one of those moments where I had to learn the language. Like, there was a difference in having a vivid dream that wasn't going to come true and one that was um, definitely a premonition of something that was going to happen. And I needed to learn that difference. And it was around that age that I did that. That's a really, really important point I'm I'm glad you've made because I know, again, uh, there is this sort of symbolic language that requires interpretation and we can misinterpret and people think often it must be great to have a psychic gift because you just know what's going to happen but it's not like that is it it's there's a lot of symbology involved and the other point you raise that i know from my experience working with kids when i was the school principal that a lot of these uh, precognitive dreams or premonitions that are vivid and lucid that are um, definitely uh, precursors to something actually happening in the world but sometimes it isn't, and, and that discernment is so critical. So tell us about how that, how that discernment works. Mm. <laughs> That's a heavy question. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, um, most of the time what I recognize for me in my dreams, when it's something that's going to come true, um, 
everything is so completely real. It's you can see it, smell it, touch it, feel it. Everything is completely real. It's 3D. That's the way I see the dreams that are going to come true. Um, they, they have a tendency to pull me in to the point where I feel like I am living in that moment. Um, and then there are some that are just messages, and they're very important messages. And there will be a sense of feeling, a presence of energy that I recognize as being good and that I need to listen to. Um, there are, of course, other times where the energy is not positive, and I, I need to respect that energy and back away from it to say, you know, I understand why you're here, but this is not a message that I want to accept. And those, those dreams are, again, you, you recognize the feeling of whether or not it's safe, and it's very real, but some of the things are off. You know, there might be a person or, or an animal or something in there that indicates this is not comfortable for you. Um, one of those, this may seem really funny, but the, if a little dog shows up for me, that tells me this is not safe for you. You need to back off. I don't know why a little dog, but for some reason that's a, a, a message for me that this is not safe for you. So you need to not accept this message. What's interesting, in the uh, Landscape Zodiac work, there is a questing dog who is the protector of the whole system and leads you where you need to go. So it may well be that little dog is just a little warning sign for you. Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so actually, Beth, we're coming up to our first break already. Time is, is flying, but this is a really important part of the discussion. So we'll take our first break. This is Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Every life on Earth has the capability of knowing the world in a much more powerful way than what we've settled for. And Gaiam TV is there to support your journey in knowledge, awareness, and awakening. Our vision is to raise global consciousness by bringing viewers original interviews, inspiring films, and engaging series on today's most sought-after topics. We invite you to try Gaiam TV free for 10 days. Visit www.gaiamtv.com to claim your free trial. You won't look at your life and your world the same way again. That's G-A-I-A-M-TV.com. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. 
Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. And I'm delighted to let you know that we have new sponsors joining us on Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. GuyamTV.com, which is a TV, um, really a, a video library uh, supporting people's awakening journey with original interviews with some great visionaries, actually a lot of people that I've had on this show are involved, people like uh, Bruce Lipton, Joe Dispenza, Deepak Chopra, Doreen Virtue, Greg Braden. And it's uh, inspiring TV for you to, uh, to go on your own sacred journey. And GuyMTV.com are offering a free 10-day trial for you to visit their website and look at all the uh, really interesting shows that they have available for you. So please do... Uh, click on the banner at the top of the page, www.guyamtv.com, and then uh, go and check out their free offer and uh, help you be inspired on your awakening uh, consciousness journey. So back to uh, Bet Stanko. So that's I, I'm assuming at some point as you grew up um, that, that you uh, put this aside for some time in your life. Oh, yes. Yeah. I was uh, 16 years old. Um, and up to this point, you know, I had many episodes of recurring dreams and, and, um, visions and different things. And because it was everyday life, sometimes I would, um, basically, it was almost like kind of forgetting about it. Like I dream about things the next morning I wake up, oh, I had that dream again, whatever. And I would just go through my life. It happened so often that I would just kind of pass it off. And, um, this one instance, I'd had a recurring dream about going to an amusement park, and I was going with a large group of friends, and in the dream, I went off to ride rides with um, a boyfriend of mine, and when we came back, I we got back together with our group of friends, and everybody was crying hysterically. They were all very upset. I had that dream so many times I can't recall. It was over several weeks before I actually did go to the amusement park. And, again, I didn't think anything of it, have recurring dreams all the time, whatever. And so never mentioned it to anybody, went to the amusement park, had a great time, went off with my boyfriend on to rides, still didn't really notice that, hey, this is happening exactly the same way as the dream. Came back to my friends. They were crying hysterically just as the dream had had uh, told me would happen and it was at that moment that I realized that I had dreamt all of this and the reason that my friends were crying was because they had gotten onto a ride uh, and they had all you know asked to take cuts and let people in front of them and all that so that they could all get on the same car and ride at the same time and there was a young boy on the car that was emptying out for my friends to get on and as he was exiting, the car behind him rammed into his car. He fell between the cars, and he was run over and killed. Now, I did not see that part in my dream. I saw everything else except this boy being killed. But in my 16-year-old mind, I thought that essentially I had just killed this boy, that I did nothing to stop it. What, what in the world was I thinking? I could have done something. I could have been there. Um, I started crying, and kind of blurting out what had happened to my friends. And instead of my friends understanding, they got very angry with me for trying to make it all about me. 
you know, this boy died and here you are making up lies about what happened and making this all about you. And it was so devastating that it's like I flipped a switch and about 95% of what I had been able to see before was gone. It's, you know, I pulled down shades, closed all the windows, closed all the doors and said, I don't want to know anything else. This is too heavy for me. And that's another really important story because I know, again, from the kids that I work with uh, who had these precognitive dreams, often of uh, some disaster that happened in the world, was, you know, what, what was I supposed to do? What was I? Because it's not that clear. You don't know a date, you don't know a time, you don't know a place, and yet you mm-hmm. know something. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you say, you also put it out of the, your mind in that moment. You don't remember until something clicks that switch. Uh, but but again, it's also it's 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 you don't have a choice of what you dream about either, do you? So no. you can be shown good things and you can be shown terrible things, and so there is a, a certain level of uh, resilience that one has to have to be able to handle this awareness, this knowing, isn't there? Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. My my husband calls it a blessing and a curse. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I think he's right. <laughs> yes. So you put it away, and then, and then, and then, how did it come back? What happened to, to bring it back in your life? Oh my goodness! Um, I I became ill about three years ago, and um, it required that I I take an antibiotic to to feel better. And unfortunately, I was allergic to that antibiotic. Um, I didn't know that, and. Um, up to this point, from the time I was 16 until this period three years ago, I could still see things, you know, and, and some of them were really heavy and some of them allowed me to help people, but it was like a trickle. It was just a little trickle. And um, I went and I took this drug. I had a major allergic reaction. Um, my heart was affected, my lungs, my liver, uh Everything, basically, except my kidneys seemed to be failing and having problems. And uh, I could barely walk. I could barely think. I still have issues with my memory. Um, I, I'd lost my motor skills. I couldn't write my name anymore. Um, luckily, I am almost completely 100% now. But at the time, the doctors told me, you may never recover from this. There is no antidote. You may, for the rest of your life, be trying to speak and only slur your words. There, there may not be an end to this, or, you know, a couple of weeks from now, you may be jumping and, and running just like you were before. So wasn't a real pleasant thing to hear. Um, and one of the biggest problems that I had following that was that I couldn't sleep. Uh, my brain was not functioning properly. I could not relax, and uh, I couldn't sleep. And it was during those hours when everyone else was quiet where the world is quiet around you and you're trying to sleep, um, it was during those hours that I started realizing, oh, my gosh, it's like someone's turned the faucet on. It's not a drip or a trickle anymore. It's coming back full force, and I don't understand the language anymore. It's like I recognized it, but I couldn't speak it. I I, I didn't understand the pictures. And it was terrifying. It was frightening, and and not for the reasons you might think. It was mostly terrifying because for those years between 16 and that point, 43 years old, um, I was normal. Most people had no idea that I was different, and I loved being normal. I loved being just plain bats that everybody knew and could joke around with and whatever and didn't have to worry about 
coming out with something and saying, oh, you know, your, your guide just let me know that, you know, this or that's going to happen to you. I liked being normal. And it was really frightening to know I wasn't anymore. Wow, what, a, what an incredible uh, wake-up call you were given. Yes. So what happened? Uh, I, I, I went into a little bit of a panic. I didn't know where to go. Um, even though, you know, most of the people who, when I was a child, mentioned the word evil were, were people of religious background, um, I had gotten involved in church. seems a little counterintuitive, but that's where I felt um, most comfortable about expressing my spirituality, probably because that's where society told me it was appropriate. And then I ended up finding a church that was beautiful, um, and so it was very natural to be there. But I decided, okay, I'm going to go to church, and I'm going to talk to people, I'm going to ask, and I'm going to find out. There's got to be somebody. I mean, if you're going to church um, and, and you have these type of things happening, they must embrace you because you have some sort of key to God. You, you can hear things that other people can't. You're special, so they must know what to do. And, of course, that wasn't the case at all. Um, the people at the church... The, the church I went to were beautiful and wonderful and understanding. <clears throat> but even though I was sharing with them, I still was doing it in a whisper. I was still terrified of telling them. And then, of course, I found out they had no idea what to do to help me. And um, it was mentioned that, you know, don't talk to this person because they'll probably tell you to go on drugs to control it. Don't talk to that person because they'll probably tell you you're evil. Don't talk to that person. It was more limitations than let us set you free by explaining to you how you fit into this grand puzzle and why you're special to God. N nobody, nobody knew what to do for me, and it made it even more frightening. It's a, okay, not only am I different, I'm a freak. You know, not, not only am I never going to be normal again, now I, I'm not really going to be able to maintain friends because what if something comes out of my mouth? You know, I, I don't have any religious thing to back me up. I don't have any spiritual leaders to back me up. I've got nothing. I'm kind of free-falling. And I was really, really scared. So what happened? What did you do? I ended up going um, to my doctor uh, at one point, and she, she's a medical intuitive. And um, she said, you know, there's something weird. I can't really read you right now. For some reason, it's almost like you've got this energy around you, almost like, a, almost like a being attached to you that doesn't feel normal and I can't sense you. It's like blocking the signals. And she says, go to this woman, she's a shaman, and talk to her. And my initial thought was, oh, dear God, she's sending me to a shaman. <laughs> I thought, oh, man, this is getting worse, you know. But I went to this lovely woman who, um, she said, I've got this beautiful set of processes and and I don't know how to explain it to you it's called soul memory and what we'll do is we'll just go through it and you'll understand what it's about as we go through it and I sat down with her and I was scared um, but I thought I'm just going to do this and we went through these processes basically prayers and affirmations and um, spiritual releases and um, through those, I recognized that some of the thoughts and dreams that I had been having since being on the drug were actually about this energy that was on me. Like I was sensing it, I was feeling it, um, and thinking 
for it. <laughs> and um, it, it was frightening, but we released that energy. And it was at that point that I realized, you know what? I, I, I think this is something I need to know. I think I need to learn this because if I can communicate with some of this energy that's on me, I might be able to communicate with this energy that's on other people. And around that time, I, um, I was standing in front of my church, and it was before Christmas, and um, the, there were many people outside, and it was dark. And there was an accident on, a, on the corner right near the church, and nobody went out into the streets. But for some reason, I turned at that moment, and I just started walking. And at this point still, I, I, still, I, I could walk, but I still had lack of feeling. I still had some issues, but um, I was, you know, operating on this need to get to this accident. And I walked over, and all the people were standing on the curb, and nobody was down on the street with this man, an elderly man who had been hit by a truck. And he was lying there on the pavement. He was bleeding. An eye had popped out of its socket, um, arm broken. He was, he was um, unconscious. And I, not thinking, um, just walked right into the street, and I knelt down with this man, and I held his hand, and I started praying for him. And the reason I say not thinking is because this was on a boulevard in Los Angeles, California. It's um, six lanes across. And everybody tells you, if there's someone down in a crosswalk, don't go out there because many of the fatalities are the people who went to help the person who was in the street and a car didn't see him and they run over him. So, Beth, I'm actually going to have to hold you there for a moment and we'll come back and hear the end of the story, but we need to take our second break. It's a bit of time for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Just a reminder to go to my own website, www.petertung.com. My August newsletter will be out in the next few days with some really interesting content for you to enjoy. 
and also www.myheartcenteredjourney.com uh, where we have our Ambassadors of Light program and I'll be having a class next week, next week tomorrow on Thursday um, at 5.30 and I'll be talking about my recent journey to the center of North America, to Winnipeg and the legislature building there which is a King Solomon's temple as described by Frank Elbow on last week's show. So that will be a very uh, informative and interesting uh, class for you to involve yourself in www.myheartcenteredjourney.com So left Bets Danko uh, in the middle of a story just before the break. So, so Bets, take us back to that moment on the crosswalk with the gentleman on the ground. Yes. Um, this man was, um, he was unconscious. So when I knelt down and I grabbed his hand, um, I just started praying over him. And when I started doing that, many people from the sidewalk who attended church with me on Sundays decided that they would come out as well. And so there were multiple people now hovered around this man, and we were all praying, and I could see angels floating above him. It was one of the most beautiful moments in my life. It, it really, truly was amazing, the power of the prayer and the people standing around him. And even the gentleman who hit him, who was just absolutely devastated at what had happened, he just truly did not see this man. He was there praying over him as well. So it was, it was a beautiful moment. And it was probably a week and a half after that that I was there for another accident. And this time, it uh, was on a larger boulevard, and I was driving, and I heard um, a bit of a crash behind me. And I was slowing down for a light, so as I slowed down, I look in the rearview mirror and realize that a man on a bicycle has been hit. So I turned my car around to block traffic, and I ran out there to see if I could help. And... He, again, he's eye from the socket, he's unconscious, he's bleeding, you know, very similar situation to the first gentleman. This time, there are multiple people standing there with me, and all of them are just standing there. The woman who's hit him is, is terribly worried that, you know, something will happen to him, and then, of course, something will happen to her. Her main worry was what would happen to her. And there were people coming from the sidewalks, crossing four lanes of traffic to get over to see the blood. None of them went, asked, could we help? None of them came over and knelt down next to him and tried to pray. N nobody was doing anything except being a looky-loo or worrying about what was going to happen to them. And it made my heart sink. I kept asking, would anybody pray with me? If somebody, you know, come put your hands on him. There was a woman who said she was trained in Reiki. She sat there for just a moment with her hands on him and then stood up, like backed away from him. And I thought, what in the world? You know, what, how could these people be like this? And it was so troubling to me that it haunted me. It haunted me for weeks that there could be such a loss of humanity at that moment that these people could be reveling in the blood and or worrying about their own being rather than this man on the street. And it was so troubling to me that I really, I had this conflict in my brain. You know, what, why 
why am I given this gift? Why did you send me out there? You know that I can feel what's happening with these people. You know I can feel their emotions and I can feel their physicality and I can understand deeper than anybody else. Why, God, would you throw me into those two situations? Why would you do that to me? And one week I went to church to sing in the choir. And we took out a piece of music and started to sing it. And in the song it says, Here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? I've heard you calling in the night. I will go, Lord, if you, leave, if you need me. I will hold your people in my heart. And I, I knew at that moment why I had seen those two sides of humanity in such a close period of time. And I knew at that moment why I was given the gift I was given and why I was thrust back into it at the time that I was. I understood at that moment why I was sent to that shaman. And I understood at that moment that my goal from that point on had to be to bridge the gap between those two sides, between the loving understanding with hope and compassion and the people who have lost their way and have separated themselves from one another in, a, in an effort to survive. So from that point forward then, did, did your uh, healing take place, I assume, relatively rapidly? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and I really um, I made a conscious decision that I am not going to be afraid of who I am anymore. And if people are afraid of me, I will understand rather than shy away or, or get frustrated or be hurt by it. Now, just because I made that decision doesn't mean I didn't, you know, fall back on old ways. You know, there, were, there have been a couple times in the last couple of years where certainly people have made comments and I stand back and go, whoa, that really hurt. <laughs> but um, the, the effort, the, um, the dedication is absolutely there. I have to live up to the being that I was sent here to be. If I am to get messages and I am to help people with them, then I have an obligation to be that person. Um, and, but at the same time, to be respectful of myself. There are limitations. There are certain things that I just have a very difficult time being a part of. And so I express that to my guides. You know, this, this particular message you're giving me right now, I just can't handle right now. I need you to not pass this on to me. Please pass this to someone else. And, and I get the respect of that. Um, but I have, to, I have to really be honest with myself with it. Just because I'm going to dedicate myself does not mean I'm going to just throw myself into the fire. I have to, I have to survive this, you know. I, I have to be able to share the gift, but I have to survive that sharing. So it's only, it's actually only a relatively short time, three years, in which you've, you've come to this point. So t- tell us what's happened in that last three years for you. A lot of things. The, the main thing is probably um, an increased um, self-awareness and a great deal of love for people, for humanity, for, for everything that has been given to us here, um, an openness. I have an extreme level of respect and love and open heart to anybody who is willing to accept that and to anybody who's fighting it. 
my, my compassion level is probably 20-fold what it was back then, and I know that it will continue to grow. I really have a love for my life, a love for my family, a love for the people around me, and I, I want very much to help people. So tell us about that. Tell us what you are doing, actually, to help people in, in your work now. Um, you know, it's, I believe that you're sent the people that, um, that you can help the most. And so I've had a lot of training and a lot of different things from homeopathic medicine to um, touch for health and uh, indigo child healing and, and all of these different things. But the thing that seems to be needed most by the people who are directed to me um, is, is this... Uh, what they need is, is someone who can look at them compassionately and tell them that they're okay. And the majority of the people who are sent to me are teenagers um, who really just don't understand how they fit into the world, where they're going. And it, you're probably thinking, well, that pretty much describes every teenager. But there's a difference when they're indigo. There's a huge difference because the world is so much bigger to them. It's it's far outside of this earth, and many of them have memories of where they came from before they came to this earth. And they need someone full of compassion to look them right in the eye and say, it's going to be okay. And I have become that person. I also I work a lot with um, um, the older generation, people who have been churched all of their lives, and maybe they've always had a sense that there's something bigger, um, something, and I don't mean besides God, what I mean by bigger is um, an energy that is kind of um, beyond what you have been ex- told through religion, um, that kind of goes through all of humanity. Some of these people know that that energy is there. They know that they can access it. Some of them see dark shadows walking around their house. Some of them hear voices from time to time, but they've never been safe or felt comfortable expressing that to anybody. Somehow they end up sitting in front of me or next to me somewhere, and they start telling me. And I have become that person full of compassion to look at them and say, it's going to be okay. You're normal. And, and it's open, all of this energy is opening up to us right now because... You need to understand that you are bigger than what you have been told. And the world is more complex and more beautiful than you have been told. You know, most of the people who just kind of find me on the Internet or, 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 you know, or find my business card somewhere, most of them show up and they just want a psychic reading. I don't really operate that way. Um, I don't look at myself and think psychic at all, um, but they show up at my door, and I figured there's a reason they're here, so I'm going to treat them like everybody else, and whatever I see, I'm going to tell them, <clears throat> but I'm going to lean it towards counseling because that's why I'm here. I'm going to listen to these people, and I'm going to approach this with compassion. I'm going to express to them what I see and why it's important for them to understand where this information comes from and how they're normal everyday wonderful beautiful people and to not worry you know most people who come to me are worried about something we need to stop worrying stop worrying and just embrace all of the change and all of the beauty that's going on around us it's not as scary as it seems 
So Bets Rashley coming up to our final break. It's a great time to break, and we'll return with Bet Stanko in a moment. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. In these changing times, the journey toward global consciousness has never been more important. Gaim TV is the first online video library dedicated to support your journey toward global and personal discovery. Our viewers enjoy unlimited access to our vast selection of inspiring interviews, engaging films, and award-winning wellness videos. And we invite you to try it for free. Visit www.gaiamtv.com to start your free trial. The journey starts now. That's G-A-I-A-M-TV.com. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. I with me today, Bets Danko. And Bets, I'd love you to uh, tell our listeners how they actually can make contact with you, um, as I'm sure you've stimulated some really interesting thoughts in some people who are listening to the show. Um, yeah. Um, I work in um, in Pennsylvania, actually. I'm, I'm in the uh, western side of Pennsylvania. And um, I've got a lovely website um, for the uh, Spirit Garden, which is uh, the company name. And the website is at gardeningthespirit.com, gardeningthespirit.com. And um, it's a lovely site because um, it, really, it really does express a lot of the things that I do here, but it, it leaves a lot of space for interpretation. And the reason I feel that that's beautiful is because I think all of us understand somewhere deep inside what our journey is. And that's why we go out seeking answers from people such as myself. Um, when you know that there's a question, even if you don't know what the question is, you go looking for someone like me and, um, and you search for those answers. And every person is unique. So one person may come to me and need one bit of information, another person a totally different information. So I left the site open for your interpretation and to 
how you can get what you need. Um, now, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that I um, work with teenagers and, and I tend to work with the older generation as well. And um, one might think that those are two totally different groups of people. You know, why, why would I be working with two totally different groups? Well, the funny thing is that what is going on with the teenagers right now is very similar to what um, many of these people who are of the older generation are experiencing. And, and the reason why is the more conscious people are, teenagers and, and the younger kids who are indigos and, and whatnot, the more there, it kind of ripples through society. And somehow that older generation is very sensitive to that. They recognize these ripples. They recognize that the energy is shifting. And, and probably because you're, you know, it, it's funny, a lot of people who are, you know, in their 80s and 90s and, and whatnot, they, they actually say, well, I'm old enough now, I can say what I want. You know, <laughs> they, they might uh, be very rude about certain things, but they feel that, you know, because they're old now, they have the right to say exactly what they feel. Well, I think because their walls go down as they go, get older that way, um, they're not as afraid anymore to say, you know, I'm noticing a ripple. I'm noticing a change. I'm noting, noticing some things going on around me. They may still whisper to me when they're talking, but they're definitely willing to speak up. And, um, you know, I, I want to share a couple stories. Oh, please um, do, yeah. You know, I, I like to speak. I, I love to go around and, and speak to small or large gatherings and, um, you know, go to... Someone could call me and ask me, hey, can you come to this party I'm having? I'm going to go ahead and, and just, you know, open the floor to you. And, I, and I'll walk in and I'll use the, the gifts that I have and some of the processes that I use to um, affect change in people. And one of the um, gatherings that I did recently was at um, a spiritual spiritualist church. And I was allowed to walk in and tell my story from beginning to end. And... Basically, they said, you know, come and speak on whatever you want to. And and I wondered for days, actually several weeks, what in the world am I going to speak about? I can't figure this out, and this is odd for me. Normally, I have an idea, and I just go with it. It's my husband who said, somebody there needs to hear your story. So don't think of all these, you know, profound things you can tell them about the, you know, 13 aspects of God. Don't talk about, you know, the shifts in the earth and the crystalline this and that. Talk about you, because somebody there needs to know. And sure enough, that was true. I went through my whole thing, told my whole story, and there was a young man who was sitting right in the front. And at one point, one point after I had spoken, somebody was speaking to him, and he got up and started leaving the room. And he turned around, and he addressed me, and he said, I identify with what you said. I, I have been walking around my whole life feeling like a freak, feeling like nobody understands me. I remember where I came from. I remember where I was before I came to earth, and nobody around me understands that. And when I try to tell friends and, and people around me, they just look at me like I'm crazy, so I can't talk about it. And he says, I appreciate so much that you know, that you understand, and that I can just be who I am here. Thank you. And I looked at him and I said, no, thank you. Thank you. It was a beautiful moment that 
for once, and I have to guess his age, I would say maybe 18 or 19 years old, for once in his life, he could speak to someone like me. And it was through a crowd of people, all of them heard, and he felt confident for the first time that he wasn't crazy and he wasn't alone. And my other story is of a, a couple that went to a church that I went to. And um, the first week um, of a healing service that we had, the husband was there. And after the service, he went home, and he was extremely exhausted and very sweaty and, you know, like he had been running a marathon or something, and the wife became concerned. So she came the week after, and we have the healing service again. And this time, she became involved in the healing, and she's, you know, praying over people and this and that. And it was a very moving uh, evening. And at the end, she came to me, and she had tears in her eyes, And she said, you know, I came because I was afraid. I was worried of what was going on here because my husband came home and and he didn't look well. And I didn't understand what happened. And now I'm here and I'm with you and we're praying over people and putting our hands on, on people. And I'm feeling heat going up my body and I'm feeling this awareness and like the world has just opened up. And she looks me right in the eye and she says, is this what it's like? Is this what it's like to be around God? And I thought, my goodness, you've been going to church all of your life and you've never felt this? So those are the two types of people that, that tend to gravitate toward me. They come to, to my offices here and we just we sit and we talk. And um, that lovely shaman that I went to earlier introduced me to some beautiful processes called Soul Memory Discovery with Ellen Kaufman Dosick. And um, those processes are magnificent, beautiful. It's like psychotherapy for the soul. It's, it's beyond anything you could expect. And it's prayer and it's affirmation. And it allows me to use the gifts that I have and deliver messages and at the same time help people help themselves to become who they were meant to be when they came to this earth. Well, Beth, that's a beautiful place for us to finish. We've come right to the end of the show. It's gone incredibly quickly and I really appreciate Uh, The way you presented uh, today, it's been really clear, and I'm sure you've touched a lot of people's souls today. So thank you so very much. Thank you. Well, let's take a deep breath. (laughs) My my guest next week is Patricia Cota-Robles, just in time before her World Congress on Illumination, which this year is taking place in Kauai, Hawaii. And she'll be talking about uh, what has taken place over the last 25 years since harmonic convergence and the movement towards December 21st, 2012. I should also be talking a little bit about the, uh, the role that the Olympics plays as it is happening right now. So I'm looking forward to that show. Uh, it was a great show with Betts today. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you have a wonderful week. It's Peter Tongue for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. you found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring please join host peter tong for another edition of awakening to conscious creation next wednesday at 3 p.m eastern time noon pacific time on seventh wave network